Hey, this is Derek D-Train, he too. Tonight's episode is brought to you by... Brandedbills.com, one of the leaders in today's hat industry. If you want something unique, you'll find it there. We love the concept of their leather patches. Cut out of the finest leather with your logo branded right on the leather. Feeling patriotic? Check out their USA logos or shop by state. Offering logos from all 50 states for your custom headwear. Lots of options to choose from, so check out their stock inventory or create your own lid. Brandedbills.com is the sponsor for our hats here at Blue Line Hockey Club, and we are excited to have some of the best hats around. Choose between fitted hats, snapbacks, flat bills, curved bills, trucker hats, you name it, with all kinds of color combos to help customize your branded bill. Get online and place your order today at Brandedbills.com. Hello, welcome back to the Blue Line Hockey Club, folks. We have episode 89 tonight. All the usual suspects sitting here tonight. We have Patrick Uncle Lardy Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And our IT guy, the local nerd on staff, Robbie P. Peters. How you doing, Pete? Hey, how you doing, man? And Derek D. Train, he too. What's up, D. Train? What's up, sweeto? The host of the Blue Line Hockey Club tonight, Mark the Dr. Morley. Oh, yeah. And we have a very special guest with us tonight, legendary broadcaster Pierre McGuire. What's up, Pierre? Everything is great, gentlemen. Just watching a lot of hockey. It's so, so good. Oh, yeah. That's that the best time of the season right now, just getting ready for the uh, the playoff run and all these teams. It's so tight right now. seems like a lot of these teams are in playoffs already. No question. No question about that. I mean, you've got so many tight races and there's so many teams that, that are available to try to compete for this. You know, I was with Jimmy Nill, the general manager of the Dallas Stars, two weeks ago down in Dallas, and uh, I was doing a Tampa-Dallas game, and we were talking, and I said, who do, you, who do you like for the Cup? And he says, well, I'll be honest with you. He goes, there's 31 teams in the league. I think 20 of them could actually win the Cup, but only 16 <laughs> could be in the playoffs. Yeah, no kidding. So, yeah, yeah, especially out west, so tight. So, Pierre, uh, we're all, uh, the four of us are all from Canton, New York, up in, uh, well, the uh, St. Lawrence country, and that's kind of where one of the schools you got your career started in coaching. Uh, have you been up there lately for the new rink and all that stuff that's going on? I was up there last year for the Legends of Appleton, and uh, Mike McShane was inducted, and it was just a fantastic ceremony, along with my old roommate, uh, P.J. Flanagan. So I had yeah. a delightful time up there. I wanted to try to get there <laughs> for this year. I actually made a tape for Peter McGill and Gina Kingsbury that were uh, just inducted into the Legends of Appleton. I couldn't be there because I was working in Minnesota. Uh, but, yeah, no, I love going up there. My good friends Ray Shiro and Randy Sexton were up there. And uh, I just think the world of Canton, New York, St. Lawrence, was unbelievably great for my career. And uh, I'll always be grateful for the time I spent coaching there with Joe Marsh and some of the great players we worked with. Big bronze statue of Joe Marsh out in front of Appleton. What do you think about that? <laughs> Well, I don't know how big it's going to be, but, you know, you just have to make the head big. The rest of the bucket is going to be That oh, has to be one, though. He he is the the face of St. Lawrence. For us four guys, anyways, we're in yeah. our 40s. Big fans of Joe Marsh. Growing up, he's, uh, you know, the face of St. Lawrence. But, uh, yeah, can't say enough good things about Joe. Great guy. I've had so many great memories uh, with Joe, both on the road in Canton, uh, we spent a lot of time having fun talking hockey, and uh, we were, again, privileged to coach some amazing players and to recruit some great kids that went on to have amazing careers, both as players and, and other things in life. And uh, I'll always be grateful 
uh, for the time I spent with Joe up in Canton. I really loved it. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of hockey connections that came out of the St. Lawrence University world. I mean, it seems like, you know, so many guys, like you just mentioned, um, Sexton and Cheryl and yourself and so many others that we've come in contact through our podcast, through St. Lawrence Connections. It's just such a great hockey network, you know, for the for such a small school. Well, you think about the late, great Bill Torrey. Um, you think about Ronnie Wosky, who's obviously a Stanley Cup winner as a trainer. Um, Jamie Baker, who works for the San Jose Sharks. Dan Rusinowski, I can go on and on. Uh, some of Joey Day, who played in the NHL for me okay. with the Hartford Whalers. You know, Mike Hurlbut, who's still a dear, dear friend of mine. I will never forget when he signed with the New York Rangers. And we were on Appleton's uh, ice surface together, just the two of us, and the lights were out. I was teaching him how to fight because I knew he was going to have to fight in the minor leagues. <laughs> so we were, we were working at Appleton on uh, on how to drop his gloves and get tied up and, and how to use his left hand and his right hand and how to establish leverage. So, yeah, I have a lot of great memories of skating at Appleton and working with players. I'm so proud of Greg Carville and what he's done in his career, both as a player and as a pro coach and a, and a college coach. And uh, Dan LaPerriere and the career he's had uh, as a player in the NHL and a scout now with Colorado. I see him a lot when I'm out west. And, you know, I can go down the line. Teddy Dent coached Chicago's farm team in, in uh, Rockford, and uh, Eric Lacroix played for a long time in the NHL. His brother Martin played. Yeah. And here's one that you guys probably don't know that almost <laughs> happened. Uh, Marty Broder, when he was 16 years of age, I actually recruited him out of a tier three or tier two, excuse me, junior program in, in uh, Montreal called Montreal Bodassa. He came and visited the school, and we almost got Marty Brodeur to commit to St. Lawrence. Uh-huh. Oh, it was wow. unbelievable. Joe, wow. Joe Marsh to this day says, I don't know how you pulled that off, but you almost got it done. <laughs> the the Lappin Brothers. Do you remember the Lappin Brothers? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah, most of those guys were our era when we were young kids going to all the games. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Recognized all of them. All those names you're throwing out, it's like a flashback to my you childhood. You just brought a flood of memories back, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pierre, you're between the glass with NBC now, and um, I think it was last year I, I saw a puck go right by your head, and I couldn't believe how close it was to almost getting knocked out. Is that the only close call that you've had, or you had a couple of them in there? No, actually, that was a good story. Um, I was watching <laughs> away from the play, and um, Dan Girardi, who's now retired, was playing for Tampa Bay and he was the right defenseman, and he knew the puck was coming out of play, and I was kind of blocked off by the Columbus bench, and it was Dan Girardi that said, look out, and and I did, and I moved just out of the way, and because of that, Dan saying that, I didn't get hit. My cameraman, on the other hand, got hit right in the lens, and oh. that it really it did some damage to his, his uh, eye. Didn't didn't blind him or anything, but, you know, he got nicked up just a little bit, but that, that uh, went viral really quick, and the next morning, I actually had to travel, and uh, NBC owned Sky Sports, and it was Sky Sports that actually interviewed me, and I went all around the world. So, But no, I've, I've been hit over the head with sticks. I've been hit by bodies. I've been hit with skates. Um, I've been hit with pox. I've been hit with a lot of things down there, <laughs> um, whether it was at the Olympics uh, in Vancouver or in Torino or Sochi or Pyeongchang. Oh, yeah, you get hit with a lot of stuff. Trust me, you get hit with a lot. Good seat, so. Best seat in the house. You, you also get to hear all the chirping between the guys when they're headed yeah. off the bench, too. You must hear some interesting conversations on the way by. 
Yeah, Matthew Kachuk is the best in the league at it. There's no question <laughs> about that. Matthew's really, really good at that. Um, he's one of the few players in the league that can influence the outcome of a game with his mouth, with his legs, with his hands, with his talent, with his brawn, with his brain. He's just, he's an amazing guy. He's really, really talented, but he, you know what? He's a really creative chirper. He's one of the most creative chirpers in the league. You know, he, he does a good job. Yarko Rutu, uh, who's now retired, I thought he was probably the most creative chirper I ever heard. What about uh, Kachuk's father, Pierre? I mean, I'm sure you, you heard him uh, chirp back in the days. Was he uh, pretty creative too? Walt? Well, you know what? I was co- I was coaching in the league when Keith was playing in the league. I actually had Keith in hockey camp when he was a young kid the year before his draft year. Um, I, it's in the same camp. We had Jeremy Roenick, Tony Amonti, Sean McEachern. I mean, it was a Billy Guerin. It was an amazing thing in Boston called the Europa Cup. It was just before I came to St. Lawrence, believe it or not. And uh, had all those guys, but I had Keith there, and you could tell right from the start that Keith was going to be good. Keith's not shy. I mean, he's he's really good at talking, um, and and he he's a ton of fun. He's a, you know what? Keith Kachuk has done something only one other American's ever done. Played in four Olympics. Only one other guy's ever done that, and that would be Chris Chelios, who's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Wow. Yeah, that's quite a feat. So we'll have a question for you, uh, NHL question this year is. Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes, obviously, probably up for the Calder Cup. And, you know, they're on the point race. I think they're only a, a one point apart right now. Um, I'm just curious. I'm a UMass guy. I actually play lacrosse at UMass, not hockey. But uh, I have, you know, a little bit of a bias towards Kale McCarr. I think he's a great player. What he did at UMass, you know, brought them to the championship game. Hobie Baker winner. Uh, you know, who do you think will be able to pull out that Calder Cup trophy this year? Uh, it would probably be McCarr just because he's surrounded with a much better supporting cast. He plays a major role in their power play. Um, you know, I just did their game the other night in Minnesota, and, and Kale's just a phenomenal talent. Hats off to Greg Carville for recruiting him and bringing him there. Hats off for Greg to keep him. Uh, one more year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he didn't stay one more year, he might have been in the American Hockey League. So he stays the extra year. He wins the Hobie Baker. He goes to the Frozen Four in Buffalo. Um, you know, he's a legendary college player. Now everybody would tell you that. And so, you know, that was Greg that actually talked him into it. And I'll never forget. I was up there, uh, at UMass, um, in Kale's freshman year. He was just coming off the world junior and we had a long talk. And the one thing I really appreciated about Kale McCarr was how intense he was about learning the game. He really had a great passion for wanting to learn the game. And you can see the way he plays. He really understands the sport. A lot like Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes is very similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal seasons for both of them. I, I th- I'm picking Colorado to win the cup this year, Pierre. Am I crazy or what? No, you're not crazy at all. Uh, I've done a lot <laughs> of their games this year. Um, the biggest thing is they've got firepower in all lines. Now, Nazem Kadri got hurt the other night. That's a little bit of a problem for them. Um, but they're, they're just so darn deep. And going forward, they have so many good players. They have a kid at Boston College by the name of Alex Newhook, who's a tremendous talent. He was their first rounder last year. Um, they've got another player playing in the American Hockey League right now, Shane Bowers, who was came over in the Duchesne trade. He's a tremendous talent. So you can look at their depth. Their organizational depth is phenomenal. They've got first-round picks galore coming up into an amazingly deep draft this year. So I can't say enough about the job that Joe Sackick has done with the Colorado Avalanche. What about the goalie situation? Do you think they have the goalies to, to win a cup? Well, you know, Francois was really good in the Olympics two years ago, and he's been very good this year. He played tremendous in Minnesota the other night. 
Uh, Philip Grubauer has been outstanding. They just went on a five-game road trip. They went four and one, and Grubauer was really, really good. They gave up five goals in their first game and a loss to Philly, and the rest of the time they only gave up five the rest of the road trip, which is amazing. So, you know, in four games they gave up five goals, so that was pretty awesome. But, no, I think the one thing, if I were going to say if Joe needed to be proactive, I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe try to make a deal to get a higher-end goalie, but we'll see. We'll see what they do. What do you think about uh, the McDavid injury? Uh, you know, we're looking at a couple, maybe two, three weeks. Um, you know, that's big for them. They're pretty in a tight playoff race out there. Um, how do you think that affects Edmonton, uh, you know, making this final playoff push here? Well, it's a big question, and you're absolutely right. I mean, it's a huge issue for Edmonton. And uh, I know Kenny Holland is excited about where they're going right now. The new general manager there, Dave Tippett's coached really well. But quite frankly, yeah, no, that if he's out for a long period of time, that's going to be a big problem for them making the playoffs this year, I believe. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Pierre, let's uh, switch a little bit. Uh, can you reflect a little bit on the Sabine Twins? And, uh, you know, did you get to see them play? They just got their uh, jerseys retired in Vancouver. Uh, what can you tell us about the, the Twins? Well, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you a quick story about them. In 1999, I was doing the Stanley Cup final between Dallas and Buffalo, and uh, the NHL always brings the top 10 kids in for the draft for that summer to the Stanley Cup final. And the Sedins came to Dallas because um, they obviously were going to go early in the top five picks. And um, believe it or not, I was on an American Airlines flight that was going from Dallas to Chicago and then Chicago to Buffalo. And the Sedins were on my flight because they were going from Dallas to Chicago, Chicago to Stockholm. The problem was the flight got diverted because of really bad weather to Des Moines, Iowa. And the Sedins actually missed their connection. They had no idea who I was. And I went up to them and I said, I know you guys are who you are. And I know you're going back to Sweden. I know you missed your flight. Do you need me to help you get a hotel room? Because if you do, I'll help you. And they go, no, no, we're fine. We're going to be just fine. We're going to leave tomorrow. We're going to sleep at the airport. And I knew right then and there, these guys were championship stock. They just didn't <laughs> complain. They didn't whine. They didn't, you know, they weren't just little spoiled little brats. And I was really <laughs> impressed by that. And, uh, you know, I called so many of their games over time, including the 2011 Stanley Cup final where they lost a game seven on home ice to the Boston Bruins. And, you know, I felt so bad for those guys. I was thrilled for Bruins fans. I felt terrible for the Sedins in particular. They had, awesome careers they were tremendous talents and the guy that's really responsible for having them together is brian burke he really did a phenomenal job in the nine the 1999 draft by the way is the worst draft in the history of the nhl the only thing that gives it any credence at all is the two sedines the sedines were the best part of the 99 draft you're like a hockey book encyclopedia um yes sir <laughs> <laughs> my, my question, uh, Pierre, is uh, Chara. Chara just had his uh, 1,500 games. What's the over-under on him playing another three years in the NHL? Three years, I don't know. I think that'd be a reach, so I'd go under. Um, <laughs> but I would say this. Whenever he's playing with Charlie McAvoy, you know, he's got live legs around him. That really helps a lot. So Charlie's been a tremendous player coming out of Boston University and championship guy as well but uh no char is still a really important part of the bruins to say that he could play three more years i think would be a reach yeah for sure charlie just got back on the ice and speaking of bu i think they uh, won the bean pot and was it overtime or no, just no, no 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 they did not don't say that <laughs> That's you know? northeastern <laughs> university won the bean pot 
Oh, okay. uh, so the battle of the dogs, the uh, the Huskies beat the Terriers in overtime. <laughs> Jordan Harris, a Montreal Canadian second round pick, scored the winning goal uh, on a power play in the second overtime. But now you know oh, BU is okay. a BU is a tremendous program. Um, you know, obviously David Quinn, their coach that recruited a lot of the players that are there, is now the coach of the New York Rangers. But um, sure. now BU is a tremendous program. I'm really proud of Jimmy Madigan. He and I grew up in Montreal playing hockey against one another. And, uh, we used to run hockey schools together, and he's just done a fantastic job as the head coach at Northeastern. I'm really proud of Jimmy. Does he have any connection to St. Lawrence or Jimmy? No, 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 no connection. No, none at all. Because he's friends with. So I'd say he does have a connection. He's friends with Ray Sherrill and I. That's his connection. That'll work. Yeah, Pat's nephew is Jordan Greenway, so he's pulling for BU on any situation. Yeah, he's oh, trying to... don't, don't worry, I'm I'm aware. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> he's trying to spread fake news out there right now. <laughs> yeah, tonight, Pierre. I don't know if you see they're playing Vegas tonight, and uh, Dumba slashed uh, Reeves right in the uh, crotch, and so I'm not watching the game currently, but I'm sure it's getting a little hot and testy there well we're in a commercial break right now i'm actually watching the game and it's a huge oh, game yeah. obviously for minnesota um toronto just won actually in overtime uh against arizona so you know, lots of stuff going on boys lots of hockey stuff going on even though i'm doing this podcast with you i'm still watching games um but no you know what minnesota's up against it obviously and uh huge trade yesterday with minnesota and pittsburgh and we'll see how that plays out for both teams but I know there's a lot of energy around Minnesota right now, which is really exciting. Sure. Here, have you have you had some uh, ever spent any time having some uh, some brews in the old Hoot Owl up here in Canton? Oh, I've been to the Hoot Owl many times. <laughs> I've been to the TikTok. I was at the old St. Lawrence, and I've been to all the establishments up there. Um, that's when I that's when I could drink beer. Now I'm done drinking beer. I had prostate cancer two years ago. Had my uh, so I'm I'm clean and green, but uh, the doctor said you can drink wine, Pierre, but no more beer. So I'm, I haven't had a beer in over two years. Which, if you were to tell anybody from the Canton, New York days, McGuire hasn't had a beer in two years, they say no way, impossible. <laughs> but it's true, it's true. Well, Pierre, we really appreciate you coming on tonight and uh, taking some time out of your busy hockey schedule and and talking to the Blue Liners. And uh, we'll be watching you between the glass this year. And you know, best of luck for the rest of the season. You guys are so kind to have me on. I love my time in Camp New York. I love going back there. And uh, I was treated so well by the entire community there, and I miss it. I really do. I loved everything about my experience at St. Lawrence. Thank you so much for having me on. It means a lot to me. Thank you. No, thank you. Have a good Take one. Care, boys. Yep. yep. All right, boys. A legendary broadcaster, another one uh, in the books for the Blue Liners. Uh, you know, great, great podcast or great interview with Pierre. What do you think, boys? Yeah, good time. Great guy. Um, that said it for me, he is an, an encyclopedia of knowledge. Yeah. Just another just hockey whiz. And everything, yeah, he's a hockey whiz for sure. Well, that's what he does. He lives and breathes hockey, right? So he's in a hotel room somewhere, and he's got, got his TV, his laptop, his iPod, and his phone with hockey games on. Yeah, I mean, just get, if we could get rid of these nine-to-fives, maybe we could do the same thing here, you know? Well, it's in the works, in the works. I got We're working on it. We're working. And just like when we had Bob McKenzie on and Doug McLean, same thing, you know, no matter what you ask them, they had a good answer for it. That's, you know, nine to five job is to uh, go around to hockey games. But uh, Pierre McGuire, yeah, he uh, he comes up to our hometown, St. Lawrence uh, University, Canton, New York. Um, he coached with the uh, legendary coach, Joe Marsh, who we all, you know, grew up idolizing. Um, 
was my neighbor. I can't say enough good things about Joe Marsh. He has, uh, he doesn't say anything bad about anyone. He's just, just a great guy. Um, overall great person and a great neighbor. So, uh, thanks to Joe Marsh for getting, uh, Pierre McGuire to come on to the podcast. No doubt. So, uh, we had a little trade there in, uh, Minnesota got, uh, rid of Zucker Zucker, poor Zucker. I mean, I, I, you know, obviously I watch all the games of the wild and, you know, this year, last year, you know, I think Zucker's a good player. I mean, I would want, I would want to keep him. I mean, he's got, he's got good hands. He's fast. He's always working hard. Um, I think besides Fiala, I mean, Zucker might've been the best player on the team in the last month. He, you know, He's not consistent, but he does pretty well. I mean, I I don't know. What do you guys think? Galchenyak, I don't know if you guys saw his numbers. His numbers aren't great. He's got 12 points this year. Um, Zucker's got more points than him. I did see that uh, Pitts, actually um, someone can bring it up. I know Zucker's playing in Pittsburgh tonight um, on Crosby's line, so that would be interesting. I don't think Zucker's ever played with anyone that nasty. I mean, Crosby's line. Yeah, Zucker's points are his production's down this year. I think that's part of it. And he's been part of this trade rumor for a while now. Uh, and they actually asked him about this Two week. Years. Didn't want to, He's like, I'm not talking about that anymore. And kind of like was pissed off and vocal about, you know, don't ask me about it. Uh, and they got traded the next day. But, um, you know, he he's, reminds me of Mike Bouchard when I used to play with Mike Bouchard. You always get breakaways and yeah. hardly ever <laughs> score on them. <laughs> he just never score on the breakaways, but he got them like every game he'd have a breakaway because he was so fast and he'd just go after that breakaway pass from the defenseman deep in the zone. And uh, you'd see him, you see Zucker get breakaways, but he just Almost doesn't seem to be able to. stride too. They have the same stride too, the way they skate. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like you know, doesn't always get the he gets he's fast as shit, but he can't slow down enough to get the, get the goal at the end of the end of the play. So I mean, he's he's a great player. I think uh, you know, the Penguins picked up you know a nasty player there. Uh, you know, I think just uh, <laughs> so, so, something that he he needs is confidence right now. And like with the Donato trade last year and the Charlie Coyle trade, you know, both of those guys did better once they got traded. They got a little confidence back. So we'll see what happens when he gets moved over to Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? What do you think, Pat? I mean, you got a little bit of inside info there, obviously, but I mean, they're both kind of the same age, only a couple years apart as far as their age goes. Zucker is obviously producing more points. So, I mean, I don't, I kind of wonder what's behind that really. Well, I mean, Zucker, like I said, is pretty good. And what did they get? They got a 2020 first round pick. They got a really good uh, uh, prospect with uh, Kale Addison. And then they got Gail. Galchenyak so three guys for Zucker I mean it looks like Minnesota Wild is kind of you know what we've been talking about with the New York Rangers they're looking like they're trying to go young I mean and they got a lot of no trade pauses to me this is a it's two parts right we've been talking about this for a while it's chemistry he is a good player there's no doubt about it but Minnesota is somewhat stagnant they're 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 just they're firing and they're firing and they just can't catch fire. They, they have all the ingredients to, to really do good stuff, but I think they might have some congestion amongst the lines. Um, maybe it's good for Zucker. I mean, look for him to get traded to Pittsburgh to go play with Sydney. Pretty good. And, you know, look, that's not bad, right? You, it could be a lot worse. You could but go he, to. I, he'll be on the top two lines for sure. If 
if I see Zucker on the third line of Pittsburgh, I'll be surprised. I think, I mean, the, how fast he is, like Mark said, his vision on the ice to find open people. I mean, that's what they needed. Um, I think they He's got a grinder, too. A grinder, yeah. They got a couple guys injured, which is, you know, putting a little, uh, you know, a dagger in their production. So they needed someone like Zucker up there. But on the other side, I mean, yeah, Rob, you're right. I mean, I, I don't know. The Minnesota Wild, to me, they they have all these names. I mean, you write their names down on a piece of paper. Like, wow, that's a good fucking hockey team. But all they do is just get shots outside the circle. I mean, and then, you know, you get Zach Parisi to bang one out of the air that bounced off the goalie's mask and the defender's teeth, and he gets a shittiest goal. And, you know, you know, and I shouldn't say that. Fiala, get, Fiala's been making highlight reel the last couple of games. You know, most That's what of I'm goals, saying is – Most know, of their goals are a deflection off fucking tic-tac-toe and two skates and a neck <laughs> and a fucking stick. So, at the beginning of the year, though, we weren't talking about Fiala when it came to Minnesota, right? Because of certain moves and stuff, he's now had the opportunity to play. When he's got out on the ice, he, he, you can tell he's supposed to be there. So, you know, I'll say the other side of that is that Galichaniak coming to Minnesota. Galchenyuk. If you'll remember, he came from Arizona in the Phil Kessel trade. Yeah, now, my yeah. guess is that was, um, what's his name, Billy Guerin out in Minnesota in Pittsburgh, got him to come to Pittsburgh and then is now dragging him to Minnesota. Because yeah. he sees something good. Now, Galchenyuk is a, is a solid young player who, Galchenyuk. I think, the numbers. If you drop him in the right space, <laughs> he might yeah. just, you know do some, do some good too. And the, yeah. the the other side of that, just real quick, Pat, is that the Phil Kessel trade was actually a Minnesota trade before that. Minnesota tried to trade Zucker for Kessel, and Kessel denied going to Minnesota. So. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota's been after close enough to Vegas. Yeah, or, right. I mean, the Penguins have been after Zucker since the Phil Kessel trade. So you know that could have been Pittsburgh reaching out to, to get him again. <laughs> so I mean, that was Paul Fenton's deal, but that that was a, the the last Zucker trade was the Phil was also involving Pittsburgh. So there's been conversation between those two teams for quite a while for Zucker. What, what do you guys think of you know just you know in the last two years I would say we've been kind of following hockey a little bit more than we have just since the podcast started, but these GMs that get traded or, you know, fired and hired, um, you know, Paul Fenton came from Nashville, brought Fiala over, brought a bunch of guys over. Billy Gehring, you know, comes over from Pittsburgh. Now he's bringing Pittsburgh guys over. It's just odd to me that, you know, I, I, I guess if I was a GM, I'd probably do the same thing, but, for me, you know, just just you see these GMs go to different teams and they try to drag these players with them. But I guess, I mean, if they really like someone, I guess that's what they do. But it's just odd to me, you know. But I guess I guess they're believing, you know, they believe in what they're doing, obviously. You know what I mean? So, right. you know, just because they're getting fired, they're thinking, well, you know, just because I was fired there, I'm not going to change my whole makeup of how I build a team and stuff. So they're looking, you know, they're looking, they go to a different change of scenery. They're thinking how do I bring my culture to this new, this new area? I'm going to bring over a few of the, try to bring over a few of the guys that I thought could build that culture for me. So um, I, I, it's probably just, you know, there's, it's a stubborn group of people. We know stubborn people in our lives, right? So it's, they're doing, 
they're basically sticking to their guns about what they think it takes to build a team. So um, yeah. I, I don't think they are deterred by being fired, honestly. Ever. No, no, I, and I agree with that. It's just, you know, if I was a GM and I got fired in, you know, Philadelphia and I'm in L.A. tomorrow, like I'm not I'm going to see what I have there and then, you know, you know, come up with, uh, you know, I'm a grinder, a shooter and a passer mentality if i was a coach that's what i'd want each line i'd want a, a grinder in the corners i'd want someone you know to pass it and, I, and then a playmaker i mean uh and then a scorer on the line so i'm not just gonna go to a team and be like oh i like this kid i'm gonna i gotta do what i can to get him over here but you know unless he's a connor mcdavid or a Cindy crosby but you know they don't usually leave teams i mean crosby or mcdavid should should have left fucking Edmonton three years ago, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's uh, you know they get to know these guys on a different level than maybe some of the other guys in the league. So if they see something in a player, maybe it's off ice how they train, you know, what kind of uh, what they bring in the locker room as a leader, or you know, these other intangibles that these players have that you don't see on the ice when you're watching a uh, you know film of these players or something. So. You know, maybe there's other parts to it. Like, well, I know Fiala is a really good player. I've seen him in practice every day. I see what he can do. You know, he just doesn't have the chemistry with his team. If I bring him with me over to Minnesota, maybe I can bring that out of him. You know, so maybe it's just seeing these guys play so often that they know, well, he's kind of a hidden talent that, you know, they might not see because his production numbers aren't there. If I can get him over to this team and get him to where I think he can be, you know, just because they've seen his possibilities, potential, um, you know, maybe it's a, something where they can get them at a, a good discount or something. But, well, yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. Thank God Fenton brought Fiala over to Minnesota or else they'd be bottom of the barrel right now. I mean, the way the NHL is right now, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to imagine anybody building like a really, you know, except for like, you know, a few of the stalwarts that, you know, continue to not have a bunch of turnover. But, I mean, the way that they're turning over coaches and GMs, it's, you wonder how they even can build a fucking – you know, a championship team because you need some time to bring in your core of players. So I don't, I don't know the turnover, you know, especially this year, the massive amount of turnover there's been, it makes you wonder like what the way of thinking is as far as, um, you know, how do you build a, how do you let somebody bring in all their kind of guys and build a squad if you're not going to give them any time to do it? So, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's it, NHL is kind of an interesting paradigm in the world of sports. They don't, there's definitely not a very short leash for coaches and, and GMs and in, in, in that league. Yeah. And then they all come back and coach for a different team. So exactly. Yeah. So it makes no <laughs> sense. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The one that doesn't make sense to me is the Blackhawks getting rid of uh, Quenville down to the Panthers. Right. I mean, I just don't understand. Like you, if you think he's not getting it done for you, I think you got other issues. Uh, in your organization because, I mean, the guy's proven to win. Now he's winning down in Florida. Uh, you know, I just don't understand why they don't they think that type of coach isn't a high enough caliber for their organization. Yeah, I thought that was the dumbest thing ever. Like, who's going to replace those, you know? And they replace him with some young kid with, like, little experience, a 30-some-year-old uh, coach, you know. Do you think he really is going to take the team to the next level? I mean, they're playing well right now, but is that really the answer? Was that really the – the decision that's made that team better. I don't know. Who, who do you guys think about the trade deadlines coming up here? Who's going to be big movers? You think Buffalo is going to be moving some people? Zach Bogosian, our uh, our hometown guy. You think he's going to be gone? To I mean, they need to. Buffalo has has gone stale as well. I mean, I, I don't 
I don't know what's happened there um, between injuries and, uh, you know, Jack Eichel is the only thing hanging on to a hockey team. He, I mean, right Jack now. Eichel's like Connor McDavid out in Edmonton, right? You can't carry the whole fucking team on your shoulders. <laughs> I mean, he's getting points left and right. I mean, he's just... Well, nasty. they started Ooh. out with the right chemistry. They, they were on fire. They were finishing on the power play. Um, you know, everything was going right when they came out of the gates. And, you know, something ha- happened. I know it's hard to sustain, but um, you know, clearly something has happened. Something changed with them. Yeah, Bogosian actually asked for a trade when they put him on a healthy scratch when he came back from injury. You know that pissed him off, and uh, you know if I was him, you know I you know getting long in, in the tooth there in Buffalo and end of his career, he might want to go somewhere where he can win some more games or have the potential to win a cup uh, if he gets the opportunity. Because there are teams like you know we talk about Toronto's looking to trade some people. That's always uh, you know in the news. You know do they need another top four, top five defenseman to seal the deal up there? And a lot of teams are looking for that, you know, fourth, fifth defenseman to go to the next level. So they might see that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, Bill, Billy Guerin's on record, you know, with the wild is saying like, if he sees, if he starts seeing the team kind of, you know, kind of showing the quit in them, you know, he's going to kind of, he'll probably uh, send some more players. Yeah. He's like a fire with their, paper, with their paper somewhere else. So you might see something yeah. with the wild, but you might see something with the Rangers too. I think, I think you might, you know, some of these young teams that are still kind of rebuilding, Rangers might be active. Uh, who knows if they send off uh, Kreider or something like that. See what happens. Oh, or, or, a, or, a goal, or a goaltender. We'll see what happens. Kreider's definitely going. But, you know, every time I hear Billy Guerin's name or I see him, you know what I think of? I go right Sega Genesis. Uh, or is it Sega or Nintendo? 94. NHL 94. Like, if you got – I was always the Dallas Stars because of Billy Guerin. <laughs> you could not knock him off the puck. Like <laughs> – for some reason, they had – you could get hit by five guys, and he would come out of the corner with the puck, and he could shoot. I always had Billy Garrett. <laughs> yeah, well, so we're going to start seeing this, any moves, you know, this week. Uh, the trade deadline is 24th. So, you know, yeah. we're, we're, you know, pretty close to the trade deadline, uh, 13, 14 days away. And, uh, you know – we're going to start seeing these trades and people are going to be making moves to make the playoff run. Uh, they're really tight out in the West right now. So we might see some moves out there too. And it's coming down to it right now, boys. You talked about the West and Derek was uh, bringing that question up with Pierre. You know, you have, I think eight teams and it's only four or five, six point difference between those eight teams looking for that wild card. So, and there's going to be teams looking to, to make that last push. So it'll be interesting in the next week and a half. Definitely. Yeah, no, it's crazy. It's crazy out there. It's really crazy out there. Edmonton, this is like the worst timing ever to get an injury to McDavid because, I mean, there's people just chomping at their heels right now as far as, you know, getting into that final spot uh, in the wild card and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, it's uh, it's really, really bad timing. I don't know if you guys saw that picture. I think it was on Twitter today. Uh, they have Connor McDavid, and he's, you know, trying to make a move to score a goal at the, you know, and he's got like three Philadelphia Flyers players hacking him in the leg. And, you know, they're all chasing from behind. And I think the quote was, you know, if, if Connor McDavid, put, you know, finishes out his career with the Edmonton Oilers, this should be the statue that they put out in front of the friggin' arena, <laughs> like in front of the arena because he just carries the friggin' team on his back. You know, I mean, he does it on himself yeah. half the time. So it's really bad timing for them in a really, in a really, really, really tight playoff race out there. 
The the other uh, news that came out this week is Jumbo Joe Thornton possibly being on the trading block out there. Um, obviously, San Jose's had a shit season, and there's talk that he might agree to go somewhere else. So he's probably got no trade at this point, but they're saying he might agree to go somewhere. Obviously, he wants to go win a cup. I don't think I think he's one of the last guys in that era to not win one at his yeah. his caliber. So that might be interesting to see if if Jumbo Joe lands somewhere. Uh, it's it's kind of a buzz going around today. I don't think he has a no trade clause. He signed a one year contract. For, I don't forget what it was, but yeah, I'm a big Joe Horton fan. He uh, got drafted by the Boston Bruins, played there for two years before he got traded. So yeah, I, I would love to see him get his thing in the cup, but I don't know. He's getting old. Who's gonna pick him up though? You know what I mean? Like he's like Patrick Marleau going back to the San Jose. Now they're like, oh, he's going to get traded now. Well, who wants him? You know what I mean? Like, at this point, is that where you're really going to go for? Is picking up Jumbo Who's Joe Devils to go to the playoffs? That, someone that has young kids on the team, Rangers or Devils, who needs that old guy mentality, you know, pep him up, talk to him. I don't know. Yeah, and you're getting him at a super discount because he still is a decent player, and he's going to be like a yeah. million-dollar-a-year do- million guy. Basically, an entry-level contract, basically, is yeah. what they get. Bag of pucks. Six eight in front of the net. I'll take him. Nice playoff beard already, ready to go. Oh, that thing's huge. Actually, <laughs> actually looks like Rob's moth the last time <laughs> in the hockey locker room. Great <laughs> <laughs> hair and everything. <laughs> Coming out of my tank. Uh, just before we go here, I just want to tell listeners that we we just started the Super Series Elite podcast, so. We'll have that now. It's a big showcase that uh, showcases all uh, youth hockey um, from, you know, squirts to uh, Bantam Major AAA. So we started that, and uh, um, we have a whole new uh, podcast for that. So we're pretty excited. Hopefully we're going to be traveling around a little bit and uh, promoting that, uh, that, that showcase. Um, so have to start following us on the uh, – Super Series Elite Podcast. Yeah, if you have uh, kids involved in minor hockey at this point and, and you have a team that's a AAA team that's not getting the exposure that you might have in your hometown area, uh, the, the Super Series Elite showcases are where you want to take your team to get some exposure. And uh, they have the, some of the top teams in the country going to their tournaments. So if you're looking to get bumped up in the hockey rankings, it's a place to get your team into. So contact Steve Davinsky over at the Super Series to get your teams into the tournaments. Yeah, we got some good uh, interviews coming on, or good guests, I should say. Um, you know, Ray Shero uh, just got fired, uh, unfortunately, as the GM at the New Jersey Devils will be coming on. We got Rich Beverly. Uh, he played for the Boston Bruins, won a Stanley Cup in Boston, got traded to Dallas. He was that player that had a uh, almost like his heart stopped on the bench for Dallas two years ago. Had CPR on the bench, who was all over NHL news. Um, he's coming on the podcast. Very big still in the uh, Dallas Stars organization. Uh, he's big with heart help in the NHL. So we got him coming on. We can talk to him a little bit. Uh, Randy Sexton, Mike Keenan. Um, we got a you know a couple good guests coming on. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, another exciting one. Pierre McGuire from NBC Between the Glass with us tonight. Uh, what bigger guest to have than Pierre McGuire? Uh, great, great conversation, great analyst. So 
so we can keep these guests rolling in and get you guys some good information. And so keep, keep stay tuned to the, to the Blue Line Hockey Club. Check us out on YouTube for our videos and Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff on social media as well. well all right, boys. Until next time, keep your stick on the ice. Hey, ya. Good up. Oh, doctor. Yeah. Keep your head up.